the incomparable. Number 409, June 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and it is time for another edition of Old Movie Club. Old Movie Club! Club. Steve and, and his backup, David, aren't here for this one. We are talking about... I basically just demanded it of Phil. Normally, Philip Michaels chooses our old movie. But you know what? I thought he wouldn't object since I actually went and saw a uh, revival of Casablanca in a theater in San Diego when we were in college with Phil. And at one point during the movie, I turned to look at Phil and I could see his mouth moving as he recited along with every line of dialogue in the movie. And I thought, whew, geez, this is the first time I've ever seen it. So, anyway, we are here to talk about Casablanca. 75 years ago, it was released in theaters in the United States. So, we're just getting to it in time. I put it on the list back then, and now we have finally come up to talk about Casablanca. With my wonderful panel, which, of course, features Philip Michaels. Hello. Hello. Um, no, we're not pairing this with any movie no, tonight? No, it's just, it's all hmm. Casablanca all the time. It's almost as if, um, as if I misunderstood. Yeah, let's talk about Casablanca and no other movie. It's not necessary. Not every old movie club needs to have two movies. No, it really isn't. And if you're gonna if you're gonna have a single movie episode, this is the one to do yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. I agree. I agree. And do you re- do you remember going to see Casablanca with me in in college? I do remember going to see it with you. I actually um, saw it twice uh, in that theatrical run at the Ken Theater in mm-hmm. San Diego. Um, mm. And and the other um, time that I went, I went with uh, an, another fella. Sorry, I was too timing you. Was and, it was it Monty? Um, no, no, it was not Monty. I would have mentioned. I I I, I would mention the the person's name if it if it was a a person that anyone would care about. <laughs> and um, anyway, hi to Greg Huffstutter. Yes. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> It was Lutz. No, no, it was a different person, not a not a member of the incomparable galaxy of stars. And anyhow, he um he he angered a patron in front of us, and uh, there oh, was an oh dear. Inc- there was an incident, and I much enjoyed seeing it with you. I, I'm just saying, I was a very polite first time um, watcher of uh, Casablanca. Um, speaking mm-hmm. of Monty Ashley, who did not see that movie with me or Phil when we were all in San no. Diego together, but he's here now. Hi. Hi, Monty. Hello. I love the Ken. Is that what we're talking about? The Ken Cinema <laughs> in San Diego? In San Diego? Yeah. It's, the all, uh, it's the all Ken Cinema uh, podcast tonight. Oh, sweet. I'm ready. Kind of a niche uh, topic, but we'll go with it. <laughs> uh, Dr. Drang from the internet is also here. Hey, Doc, how you doing? This is beyond my Ken, but it's good to be among the usual suspects. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Dan Morin also joins us. He is, he's among that number. Hello. I came to the incomparable for the waters, Jason. Uh, I think you were misinformed. And was, Moises Chuyan joins us from a far off land that is not Casablanca. Hi. I uh, I try to never make plans very far ahead. All right. Casablanca shot and uh, premiered in in 1942. It was all made in 1942, released widely in the U.S. in 1943, which does make this the 75th anniversary year of at least the release of Casablanca. And it was it was kind of rushed to the screen to take to take advantage of that hip invasion of North Africa that uh, <laughs> all the kids were talking about at the time. 1942, because 1941 wasn't enough for the kids. Can we find a role for Rommel in this somewhere? And the, the story is that this script apparently passed the desk of somebody at Warner Brothers uh, the day after Pearl Harbor. 
Yes, that is the that's the that's the story. It was an unpub, un, unproduced play, right? That was end up per, being purchased to be made into a movie, uh, and uh, that was a good 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 call, good call. And unlike a lot of movies that end up being considered um, all time classics, but were not sort of like released with a with a shrug at the time. Um, although this movie was was never kind of expected, I think by its makers to be uh, a classic. It did fine at the box office, and more importantly, it won a load of Academy Awards. So it was not as if it was not um, recognized at the time. It won Best Picture and Best Director and Best Screenplay. So it, it, it's not a, a stealth, uh, surprise, cult classic kind of story for Casablanca. It was always uh, pretty well thought of. Yeah, and it, and it had big stars at the time. It was not the, these were not unknown people that were uh, being 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 cast in it. The, the Humphrey Bogart came to this uh, uh, picture as a guy whose name you put in front of the title. This movie begins. I'm just going to dive into it here and yeah, then yeah, just no, stop, stop no, go me. Go right ahead. Um, and Phil, if you want to, if you want to help out at any point, you've seen it probably 10 times as many times as I have. Um, but it, it starts, uh, you know, giving you this st- trying, there's a narration that tries to explain to you what exactly is going on here. That includes that great line that, that everybody, the others end up, they wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. Yeah, in, in a way, I, I like the beginning of the movie because it basically says, okay, here's the MacGuffin. Here's and the deal. He, here, here's the deal. You gotta have these uh, uh, special passes to get out of Casablanca. Okay? Good. Let's go. Movie, start. And I think it's actually a really nice piece of ledger domain that they mm-hmm. do it that way because not only does it give you the premise, it's like it moves so fast that you really just have to accept the premise because um, it doesn't make sense. Like, the 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 setting of this film doesn't really make any logical sense. I know what they're trying to do, which is to say that French Africa is almost like a a a a neutral zone or a no man's land, but that's not really true. And that if the Nazis wanted to stop somebody who escaped from a concentration camp, they wouldn't like get a letter that was signed by General de Gaulle, who is not one of their guys, and right. say, "Oh well, I'd like to arrest this guy, but there's a letter from." General a guy we don't like. says no. And so, it, 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 you know, if you says think about no. it too much, no. uh, it, knowing the history and, and the situation, it doesn't make any sense. And so the movie is just up front saying, look, here is what the rules are. Like, yeah. there are these letters. They are important. This is a place that's kind of a mixture of German and French and is not not quite neutral, but is like a, a the, ga- the back door that gets you out to the neutral country. And uh, in, in this mixed up world of kind of lawlessness with the various parties vying against Against one another and there's crime and all sorts of other things in which we set our tail and then and then it walks away and don't look at it too closely because it doesn't really make sense and it doesn't matter because and, and, that's and then not if what you, the point is if, if you miss the narrator then we have one of my favorite uh uh not even tertiary characters <laughs> uh the pickpocket, pickpocket. comes pickpocket. in and, and and basically explains up oh, a lot of refugees here because be careful, vultures, vultures everywhere. And he um, uh, proceeds to to pick the pocket of 
two people, a monocle guess, man, who mm-hmm. are vacationing in Casablanca. Yeah, that also baffles me a little bit. Like, oh, these these uh, British retirees have decided to come to Casablanca, f- uh, probably for the waters. For Presumably, the waters. they were also the misinformed. The true first uh, first exotic marigold hotel, and how he likes to to he likes to think the best of every situation. He says, "I must have left my wallet back in the hotel." Is what he leaps to, and then he's like, "Oh, wait a second. And then you know we're we're gone, and we never see Monocle Man again. Now, Jason, mm-hmm. you skipped right past this globe that I'm very fond of at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yes, there is a graphic. There is there is a map, but before the map, there is a globe, and it is a graphic relief globe. It's got bumps on it to indicate where mountains are, not to scale. There are giant clouds around the yeah, globe. The steam. The steam is the best part. I don't understand. Well, that's what Earth's the... atmosphere. It's not. <laughs> I mean, as they understood it in 1941. <laughs> All right. I, I like to think that globe was then repurposed for Rocky Horror Picture Show, but that's just that's just. <laughs> I me. think that globe is in the Boston Science Museum, or if not, it's one that looks a lot like it. <laughs> it's very important. Anyway, the premise for those who have not seen Casablanca, uh, I guess you should Spoilers. probably go watch it. It's yeah, we're not we're going to spoil. Yeah. You know, let's fire up the spoiler horn for the seventy five year old movie, everybody. Um, the the idea here is that people can come through Casablanca, and then every day there's a plane to Lisbon. And if you get on the plane and you've got your papers in order, you can go to Lisbon, which is a neutral country, uh, Portugal, and then from there you can make your way to the United States, which which at the the setting of this film, although not at the time it was released, I think was also neutral and not. Uh, in the war yet i think that's the way that that it's supposed to be set up it's like on the eve of war to jump ahead uh later on in the movie uh humphrey bogart asks what what it's december 1941 in america what time is it here and then and, and here and and the knowing audience is supposed to go uh yeah yeah yeah. Also, things, things, course, ma- things are about to change that america's all asleep too so you know this little subtle subtle mm-hmm. america is asleep and not yet woken and for the movie's plot, it's important that two German couriers have just been murdered just off screen. Yes, with the le- with the MacGuffin, the letters of transit, free. It's like the get out of jail free card in Monopoly. They're like, all right, we're throwing you in prison. You're like, uh, uh, not so yep. fast. <laughs> if a Nazi comes at you and you have these, the Nazi just has to leave you alone. Yeah. It's amazing. They're amazing. They're magical. We should have printed out more of those, quite honestly. Get get to De Gaulle on the phone. Yeah. We need to sign sign many more letters. Sign them all night. Get the Plus, they're they're anonymous. You get to fill it out yourself. Oh, yeah. It's like a blank check. check. I don't think that those German couriers were very smart, but... uh, Anyway, they were murdered on the train from Oran, uh, and they're, they're, they are rounding up all the suspicious characters, uh, but they th- the, basically they know who, who stole this, and, uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit. They, they, fi- they figured that out. What is established quite quickly and, and rather brilliantly is that um, the policing in Casablanca is for show, usually, oh. and um, uh, not, the, not the most uh, uh, stellar police force you've ever uh, come across in, in your travels. Practically the first line of dialogue includes, we rounded up all the usual suspects, and of course, beautiful young girls for Captain Renault. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, that's that's one of the, some of the backstory here is that this this movie did actually go through the censorship board and had them change some dialogue, which I find hilarious because all of it seems strongly very clear. It's very clear that uh, that Louis is basically offering to allow 
young women to escape in exchange for sex. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure how they made it more, how it was more explicit. <laughs> I, I don't I don't even know. And, and also very clear that Rick and Ilsa's relationship in Paris was not a chaste sort of friendship with a lot of looks and handshakes, right? And yet, apparently, the story goes that they had to amend the screenplay at least enough to slide it by the censor's board. I don't understand it. I'm sure that Renault just kissed those girls. That was, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was yeah. all he was asking for. Yeah, Fr- French kissed. I mean, he's French. Well, they, 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 he just wanted to hold hands with them and have a very meaningful conversation. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll we'll talk more about Renault in a little bit, I'm sure. But um, you know, amoral is the best word I think to describe him. Uh, we learn very quickly, uh, and we see throughout that he kind of uh, will do anything and many things that we would consider awful. And and I, I'd say you know, by modern modern scrutiny, you look at his uh, you basically trading uh, access to escape from Nazi. Nazi-controlled territory uh, for sex as one of his uh, larger crimes. Although I would also point out that that Peter Laurie Peter Laurie is summarily dispensed with, and several other people are. <laughs> yeah, are, are, as are, they are, say at one point, we we haven't decided yet if he committed suicide or was shot trying to escape. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, the movie starts with the guy getting shot. Right. Right. We killed him for being Peter Laurie. I like how that the film sets up very at the first thing where the guy runs and they shoot him in the back and he's dead. Like this is a dangerous place to be in front of the uh, poster of Marshall Patton. One Patan, should also yes. uh, point out, which is again to to just establish how uh, completely awful things are and how the um, the current uh, uh, French government is collaborating with the. With right, the, uh, the, the Vichy the government powers, after yeah. the after the Nazi, Nazis uh, invaded. When they pry his hands open and pull the stuff out, then he's got he's got the free French uh, yeah. literature yeah. in there with the Cross of Lorraine, which comes on when uh, when Muley comes uh, right. comes in the bar. One of the things that um, that constantly gets trotted out about this is that is that it was the first overtly anti-Nazi Hollywood film, which isn't true. It isn't even the first one of those from. Uh, Warner Brothers, um, and 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 I think the the earliest one that that is explicitly anti-Nazi and just not winks and nudges, uh, Confessions of a Nazi Spy is actually available now from the Warner Archive collection and was impossible to track down for the longest time. Um, the the thing that I, I I it's it's weird to me the Warner Brothers themselves don't get as much credit for as they deserve is that they really individually came out forcefully against uh the nazis going back into the 1930s after the war weren't they called uh, i believe the phrase was prematurely anti-fascist which was yeah. meant to suggest yes. that they were suspicious liberals because they were they were against hitler a little too early <laughs> J- jason i would I, one of my life goals is to be prematurely anti-fascist at all times i was against hitler before it was cool there, there was yeah. also uh there was also a warner brothers movie released the same year as casablanca early in the year uh Again, starring Humphrey Bogart, called All Through the Night, where he takes yes. on Nazis. So I would also <laughs> recommend anyone within the sound of my voice to watch that one. Oh, interesting. That yeah. movie sounds fascinating. That's an amazing movie, it sounds like. Let's take a brief break from the old movie club to tell you about one of our sponsors. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Pingdom. The reason Pingdom is awesome, well, they keep your site and the sites that you love on the internet online and operational. Pingdom is a company that monitors your site so you don't have to. Don't just sit there all day and all night. You have to sleep sometime uh, making sure that your site is still operational. Pingdom will do it for you and they'll give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at 
anytime, day or night. Because the fact is, stuff will break on the internet. It happens all the time. Pingdom finds about 13 million outages every month, more than 400,000 every day. So regardless of whether you have a little old website or a complex internet infrastructure, it doesn't matter. You need to monitor its availability and performance. And you really don't want your site to be down and know nothing about it until somebody, possibly a customer, complains to you in a tweet or an email or somewhere else. That's why you need Pingdom. It's easy to get started with Pingdom. All they need is the URL you want to monitor. They will take care of the rest. And here's how you can get a special deal. Pingdom.com slash Snell. You'll get a 14-day free trial. No credit card required. And when you sign up, because you're going to love this service, use the code Snell, my last name, at checkout, and you will get 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom for their support of The Incomparable. I think that the timing of this movie... Um, is fascinating because it is a movie that was that that is set on the brink of of the U.S. entering the war, and because of when it was written, um, which was before the attack on Pearl Harbor, it was written and then it was bought right afterward and made immediately. That it is it is an early, uh, it's not the first, but it is a it is a, a an early film about World War Two and about the Nazis um, while the while the war is going on. And as a kid growing up watching this movie, World War Two is over and we know who won. And it's fascinating to watch this movie and think this is a movie that was made and released when the war was just starting in the U.S. And and that that is, I think, amazing. And, and there's a scene later that we'll get to that involves a lot of people who had already fled the Nazis who are who are extras in the, in the film. So that that's something that as a kid, I did not realize that adds a whole other layer when I watch it now that this is this is not a World War Two movie set after or, or made after World War Two. It is made pretty early in the u.s involvement in world war ii and and that that blows my mind when i watch it thinking about that there's a howard hawks movie um air force which was made in 1943 and it is set right after pearl harbor the bombing of pearl harbor it's uh based on a, a flying fortress that got to pearl harbor late and um and how they they uh well let's go give the uh, japanese some of their own back and the ending of that movie is we don't know how this is going to end because hmm. we're still fighting a war, everyone. <laughs> if you uh, want the, the good guys to win, go buy war bonds, everybody. Exa- th- that is essentially <laughs> the end of uh, Air Force of uh, by Howard Hawks. So uh, not a very satisfying ending like uh, Casablanca. <laughs> Apparently, they gave some thought to shooting a very quick final scene to Casablanca. And I know this is like best ending of a movie ever, some people might argue. And they're like, no, what if we tack on a scene? <sighs> Where uh, where Humphrey Bogart and Claude Rains are like fighting in Africa as part of what of, of the uh, the Allied push on Africa that was going on when the movie came out, like, and we're here now, right now. Yay! The end. Yeah, and and, so, and and maybe there was a scheduling, but somebody wisely was just like, no, "We're not." Gonna, I, I, I think we'll have more to say that. about that um, uh, towards the end. Of the mo- <laughs> it seems like a yeah. current events. We like no, how, yeah. no, let's not do that. Um, okay, everybody goes to Rick's in well, the end. Well, first, that, um, yes, first, okay. <laughs> first, uh, Jason, um, we have to meet uh, our, our villain, our heavy, and uh, someone has to symbolize the awfulness of Nazis, and that person is uh, Major Heinrich Strasse who is uh, jetting into Casablanca because um, um, there's a guy loose and he wants to catch him. And uh, yeah, this that- is the, the letters of transit have, have uh, been uh, obtained by killing the German couriers. And uh, Strasse is, 
Is he there for that, or is he there because they think Laszlo is going to be there? He's there for Laszlo. He's there for Laszlo. It's there for both reasons. Laszlo is coming to Casablanca, and oh, these German couriers got murdered. Better hop on the plane and get to Casablanca, where I'm I'm met by my frowning friend, uh, Herr Heinz, and uh, also Captain Renault is there to uh, greet Major Strauss at the airport. And Renault's um, relationship. This is uh, this is one of the fascinating things about the setting. And again, it, I'm not sure it makes any sense historically, but who cares? the The way it's set up in the movie is that the Germans. It's not German territory. It's this. It's the it's a French territory, Free France, which is a puppet of Nazi Germany, but it's not Germany, and therefore they need to defer to the French authorities to a certain degree. Although there is a limit, and there's a great, really good joke there where where he's like, "I get to do what I want," and then the, they tell him that the Germans want to see him, and he and he he has to go. And Humphrey Bogart says, "You were saying right," but the, there is that like back and forth that he's supposed to work with them, and he's the official authority there but everybody knows the nazis really are going to get what they want um and that's that's all kind of going back and forth here when we see uh strasa come and uh visit with uh with louis here throughout throughout uh renault is sort of established as this guy who just wants to be left alone to his own um uh apparently horny (laughs) devices petty scams (laughs) and and, um uh in in a way he is supposed to be the stand-in i think for a lot of people in the audience um, who might be all eh, well? It doesn't affect me, so let's mm-hmm. just go on. So he's also I, our like audience surrogate in the sense that he like narrates things, right? Like in a lot of the later scenes where he's like, "Oh, this is very strange that Rick is doing this thing that he never does." Right? Mm-hmm. Like every time that we need to be clued in that this is unusual, we have Renault there. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a weird way to narrate because I agree, <clears throat> he's the audience stand-in for a lot of things, and yet he is. Yep. <laughs> he is this, he he is this corrupt person. And a, omniscient narrator and uh Yeah, for me it's perfectly cor- correct as a stand in, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe not for everyone. So at this point, uh Jason, I think everybody goes to Rick's. Everybody does go to Rick's I at this point. I've heard very much about this Rick's and also <laughs> Rick himself. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I wonder what nationality he is. I think perhaps drunkard is the answer. But before we go there, uh, yes, we go inside Rick's. Uh, the camera moves inside, and we see uh, Sam playing at the piano, playing "It Had to Be You" at first, and then he kind of segues on to other songs. There's a whole bunch of people. There's sort of like a bunch of sort of little vignettes of like people of various kinds have come to Rick's, and they they're doing business or they're they're talking to each other, and and they're in various kinds of. Uh, there, there's a whole like montage of that and then we finally see uh humphrey bogart as uh, as rick the proprietor of this establishment and uh and uh one of the first acts he has is he he refuses access to a german banker who's trying to get into the to the uh the gambling room and says you can you know you're lucky i'll let you drink at the bar so he has some standards the deutsche bank is not allowed to go into the the gambling area he says he has standards but the next thing he does is let ugarte played by the brilliant peter laurie and peter laurie gets to come in and hang out with rick at his chess table yeah he just comes right in that's the funny thing is that while he's saying no deutsche bank you can't be in here then like weaselly criminals (laughs) like excuse me i i am just coming through here now and that's it 
I have a theory, and we we can discuss it now, or we can we can bring it up later after Agarte meets. Uh, again, spoiler warning for the the seventy <laughs> yeah. five year old movie. Um, Agarte's not going to make it, and no, uh, he's in like two scenes, and then he's gone. Yeah, oh, and la- later on, uh, Rick is having a drink and seems strangely mournful of Agarte uh, <laughs> uh, getting taken away by the police. Um, and so, well, he he does he does ask him directly, begs him for essentially his life in yeah. that moment when he's being chased you've got to help me mr rick and rick doesn't right so that that's got to weigh a little bit the context from the the drunk scene is well for they usher out a garte and then she walks in and 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 it's it, it just struck me perhaps there's more of a friendship to the um ugarte rick relationship uh more of a more of a uh, uh hey we kind of like each other uh than than the understand movie lets each on. other yeah, yeah. It, it it feels like a, like a like a mutual survivorship bond between the two of them they've lasted for so long and it's a place that people come in they get shot they disappear they go somewhere else it's 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 a place of a lot of transience and i i want to say that their bond may be just out of having been around uh and known each other for a while which is a pretty rare thing in this town yeah i think also some of it has to do with yeah it's also just utility i think is part of it like Ugarte is clearly, if not a, he's not quite the level of Ferrari who we'll get to in a minute, but like, you know, he clearly seems like a guy who has his uses and Rick seems like a guy who might need his, that kind of service at time yeah. to time. So there's like a utility, yeah. sur- you know, pragmatism to it as well. Oh, he's a fixture. They see each other for what they are, right? Like they, they, yeah. they know what each other is good for. They know what each other can and can't be trusted for. Ugarte can, knows that he can beg Rick for something. And in theory, Rick is the kind of person who can maybe come through for him. And if Rick can't put his own neck on the line, Rick at least knows who can and will where he could go and Rick would actually give him that. And that's the reason he would go to Rick first over other people. Well, Rick does um, in fact do a favor for him. And my theory is that even though Ugarte is obviously a total weasel, Rick has to like him a little, right? Like the audience can't be the only people completely charmed with how awesome Peter Laurie is. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's sort of banter between them. I don't, I don't think, you know, uh, Ugarte saying, Oh, you despise me. Don't you? I I see that as just kind of their way of joking around with each other. Yeah, and Rick does take the letters of transit. That's hot material, right? That's potentially really dangerous, and that says something on both sides, that he would take it, and also that Peter Laurie would trust him with it, because, you know, Rick could turn him in, could, could you know, and, and when and that when that moment comes where he says, you got to save me, Rick, and Rick doesn't do anything about it, I that what hurts. you don't get, what the movie does not suggest at all, is that Rick is doing that because he knows with Ugarte out of the way, he's got the most valuable documents in Casablanca. That's not why he does it, right? He sticks his neck out for no one even you ugarte yeah i yeah. mean and, and i think that's the you know as as dr Dring was saying the the banter there you know it indicates a level of intimacy that we don't necessarily get from the surface value of the words right but like those are also the things that you can say to the people who you know you're kind of close to like saying to somebody yeah. you despise me right like that's a thing that you say you're like oh god i hate you so much right like mm-hmm. that's not a thing that you say to a person you probably actually hate or that probably actually despises you. That's just not, you know, it's, it is sort of belies that they're at a comfort level with each other that is allows them to be blunt in sort of a darkly humorous way. And, and that is, I, I sort of gets to what I, I think I really like about Casablanca, why it's one of my uh, favorite movies. Um, 
in a lot of, you know, studio movies of that era, that this a secondary tertiary character would be i am here to advance the plot i am gone now and and here we we we've discussed all these many levels and <laughs> layers of this relationship and really the great thing about casablanca is that as they're panning through this cafe and mm-hmm. stopping at each individual table you could veer you could say movie go follow that guy for the <laughs> yep. next uh, hour and you've got yourself a hell of a movie you could you could literally do casablanca tales where it's a serial that uh tales from the casablanca Cantina, because clearly the Moss Eisley <laughs> Cantina is clearly pulled directly from this. Sure. The most quoted line in that movie for me is probably the guy who says, waiting, 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 I will die in Casablanca. And he, that's his only line in the movie, and I, I, not a week goes by that I don't say that in frustration at something. Yep. So now to uh, to Ferrari, Sydney Greenstreet yeah. from the Blue Parrot, who, My other favorite. who appears here too. Yeah. Another one of these relatively relatively minor characters that yet is is so huge in uh in in popular kind of uh uh, view of this movie uh, and we see him first here he runs the blue parrot uh there it's like a competitor slash also their colleagues so, and, and, and their supplier apparently yes. not only does everybody tell you but but ferrari himself will tell you that he heads the black market which is not a thing you feel like you should go around telling you <laughs> put, put on his business card oh. people yes. in this movie all have backstories and tell the, them right away and i love it it's not this is obviously like the thousandth time he's tried to buy the bar, he knows he's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. But eh, I'm here to try to buy the bar again, and that's so yeah. much more interesting than I just showed up trying to buy the bar. Yeah, and the day that Rick says, "Yeah, maybe I'll sell the bar to you," is the day that you don't want to buy it because something is going on. That, yeah. Although that does actually happen later in the movie, where he goes to him and says, "All right, it's time. I'm gonna get out of here," and that's all part of the part of the plan later on. We also meet um, Yvonne. Rick's uh, Rick's girlfriend who sort of. uh, has it, had too it, much to she, drink. Is she his girlfriend? Uh, I think she w- is what passes for a girlfriend for Rick right now in his life. Yes. Okay, sure. <laughs> and she's had too much to drink and the Russian bartender uh she wants more booze and he says, "Well, I love you, but I work for him." And Rick's cut <laughs> her off and sends you, her but home. He pays me. Mm-hmm. I believe this is Miles Archer's wife. <laughs> Everybody basically. in this movie has a code. Anyway, the I think the idea here is that Yv- Yvonne is the uh, this is this is Rick's life right now. Like, you know, there's a girl, but it it doesn't really mean anything, and it's you know, and he he doesn't really particularly like her. It seems, and he throws her out essentially, and sends her home, and she's mad at him, and that's uh that's that's another character here, and then uh, it's a, it's a union of convenience and proximity, and really nothing beyond yeah, that. Yeah, exactly right. So we, it's a contrast. What is a, what is going to come? And then of course uh, Louis is there. He's hanging outside. Um, they have the great conversation that includes a couple of lines that I do I do love. Um, he questions Rick about his his mysterious background from america and why he ends up in casablanca and comes up with various things slept with the senator's like wife i think you shoot shot a man yeah i'd like to think you killed a man it's the romantic in me that's a great line that's <laughs> mm-hmm. wonderful and then oh, of course why did you come to casablanca i came for the waters uh but but, there, but rick there are no waters well i was misinformed well, which, which as my girlfriend quickly pointed out casablanca on the ocean <laughs> it's a port Technically, yeah. yes yeah. but you I, wouldn't I, drink those waters the various different, uh, you know, false false backstories of Rick. I like to think they're all true. Yeah. <laughs> Time for one more little break. I want to tell you about another sponsor, Tech Meme Ride Home. It's a new podcast 
covering the technology stories of the day. Techmeme.com has already earned a reputation as the place to find out what you've missed in the world of tech. It is a great website. I use it every week. Now they're bringing their love of technology to a podcast. Tech Meme Ride Home is hosted by Brian McCullough, who you might know from the Internet History Podcast. Brian totally knows his stuff. Throughout his career, he's interviewed a ton of entrepreneurs, engineers, and other people who make the Internet era happen. New episodes of Tech Meme Ride Home are released every single weekday, so you can keep up to date with the headlines and hear some interesting commentary from all around the world of technology. The show is 15 to 20 minutes long. It's released at 5 p.m. Eastern, so it's perfect for your commute home in the evening. Open up your podcast app right now and search for Tech Meme Ride Home. Hit subscribe while you're there. Don't miss the next show. Thank you to Tech Meme for supporting The Incomparable. I think what I like about Claude Rains in this movie is that he's the only one who's allowed to look amused at all of the incredible <laughs> one-liners everybody is saying all uh-huh. the time. And that's another reason why he's us. If you want to in- enjoy the movie, just just watch Claude Rains' eyes throughout uh, it. Yes. Because he will he he is the master of the pointed look in this movie. Or the, hey, did you notice that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of that going on with Claude Rains. And S.Z. Sakal, as long as we're... Well, that's S.Z. Sakal just being a, a a ham. Yeah. That's pretty pretty good. Um, so Victor Laszlo is introduced here. Uh, we can't we can't let him go. We, we should probably mention what he does. He is uh, the, basically the the leader of the underground. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is what he, he 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 when they uh, when the Nazis came into Czechoslovakia, he into Prague, he like led the resistance. He was he was a voice against them before they moved in and after. Um, they jailed him. They put him in a concentration camp. Um, I also talk about like uh, you know talking about Nazi concentration camps in this movie in 1942. I wondered about that, too, because I'm still not sure how much was... At that point, I still don't think all the details of them were known. Right, right. but, but he escaped yeah. that and went to Paris, and then, of course, or uh, that was when, uh, we'll find out later, that was... He, he, he was injured, but he was outside Paris, and that's when... Um, Elsa, who thought he he was dead. Yes, we should we should dead. also mention that uh, Victor He's Laszlo traveling has a, with a lady. It, I think <laughs> not. I've seen the lady, <laughs> an attractive lady, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so he's he's this underground guy who the Nazis have won, and they put him. They, he's he's a he's a troublemaker. He's a leader of the resistance. They put him away. He escaped, and now he has fled all the way to Casablanca, where in this last ditch effort to get out of uh, of uh, Nazi Germany controlled space and uh, get somewhere else and drum up more support against the Germans. Right, where he walks around in front of Nazis in a bright cream suit yeah well they can't touch him in casablanca for oh, some reason no i know i it's i know because it's so it's whatever it's the it's, it's the boss hog it's, is it's, on the other side of the county line or something i don't know yeah that's right well that, that's exactly that's, that that is the that is what i love the most about this movie for me it is all about the setting and i love yeah. the tension of this whole thing where it is kind of that no man's land even if that doesn't make sense historically it's the fact right. that well we could just you know could we just roll in and with all our German firepower and just kill this guy and nobody would really bother us? Well, maybe, but we've got to maintain this this sort of bizarre stasis and tension here. And that idea that sort of this lawless land where anything goes, the law is corrupt. Um, I love that setting. It, it has mm-hmm. a sort of proto-Cold War feel to it. 
Yeah, oh, I I agree. I think that's why it works, even though it isn't logical historically, because that's the idea is that there is maybe, you know, it's that the, the, the Nazis have found it useful to have this fiction that France is free, even though it's a puppet state. But the, the, the cost of that fiction is that they can't act with the impunity that they would like to with something like Laszlo. And even here where it's they, you know, they make a big point of welcome to unoccupied France, right? Like... <laughs> Yeah. It's unoccupied, but right. there are still Nazis here, and they still yeah. exert a great deal of control. Yeah. Also, it's because it's Africa, and it's being occupied by France. But anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, so, so if I have two complaints about the movie, um, mm-hmm. one it's would fake, be... For a fake plane, fake plane. Yeah, fake, well, fake well plane. sure. Well, one would be that the, the lady with the guitar who sings in the cafe and just <laughs> nearly brings this wonderful movie to a screeching halt with her... <laughs> She's yeah. also um, in Passage to Marseille, if you would like another uh, Humphrey Bogart uh, Troubles the back Axis to Powers movie. But um, no, I don't care for her. And man, Victor Laszlo just loves to give his speeches, because every time <laughs> someone someone says something to him, it's like, you are now a citizen of the Reich. It is an honor that I do not accept, because I am a Czechoslovakian. And and you wait for someone to say, Christ, are you ever off? Do you ever just, like, take a, take a moment? To, but that's what's to, great about him. Like, if this were a yeah. silent movie, his credit would be Victor Laszlo, a hero. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the character from the pure black and white good, evil, I'm the good guy movie yes. who's wandered into the weird shades of gray border town Casablanca. Where, every, where everyone is being quippy and they have yeah. their, their one-liners and he's all, well, now I'm going to give a speech. Oh, God, Laszlo's talking again. <laughs> yeah, I oh. Just one moment, I would like to say a word about virtue. And that <laughs> yeah. word is 7,000 words long. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's why I can't complain about him because I agree with you that he makes you roll your eyes, but like that's the, I think that's the brilliant of having that character in this movie and and you know bless him uh, paul henry because like this is a movie that i think probably saddled the, uh, or and a character that kind of saddled him uh, yeah, in his career did. um and it, it, he is not likable in the movie but that that is what's so great is that he is a true believer and he's a scold and he's a speechifier and he's sort of what the resistance needs but he's no fun to be around <laughs> yeah he's a downer but you need someone who will march over to the band and say play la marseille because yeah. all the characters we like will, at best, nod. I, I also enjoy that apparently Paul and Reed, that's like, that's basically what it sounded like his relationship with the other actors was too. When they're all like, oh God, this I can't, guy. I can't Not decide whether that was, that was a kind of method before method or whether he was just kind of a... Uh, well, it's, uh, well, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like Patrick Stewart season one of Star Trek: The Next Generation, where he's like, no, 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 having fun. Professionalism. We're here to, we're here to be professionals. Damn it! He made a pirate movie called The Spanish Mean, in which he's actually ha adventure, it's, and so oh, and it it is it, really daring um, do. It's so good. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, really fun to watch. I recommend it. But you you sit there and go, you're not Victor Laszlo, <laughs> the noted trip. You're you're actually fun yeah. in this movie. Hello, everyone. I am the hero. I've brought my wettest blanket. Now, <laughs> everyone lay under it. This is the point at which uh, at which uh, uh, the uh, with. Um, Let's see. The, the Nazis want to see Louis, and so there's that moment of I, in Casablanca, I am master of my fate. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Nazis want you right now. I must go. You were saying <laughs> it's great. A gag they do a couple of times. Cutting yep. ironic dialogue in this movie. Like what? I, one of the things I found is that my favorite things in this movie are not generally the lines that like 
I grew up knowing were lines from a famous movie and that it turned out to be Casablanca. Those lines are are sappier and more also kind of like quoted so they've become that's true. they've lost you a little of their watch. potency well they've yeah. been overquoted and incredibly misquoted and accepted as right. the misquoted versions being real but we also live in an age where i think the irony of a character like humphrey bogart especially but even even uh the the stuff that claude rains is saying here like that kind of de- ironic detachment that those guys have is a very modern yes it's sensibility it's and so it i think that too, right? that stuff plays really well with a modern audience yeah, I really yeah. this this movie does hold up in large part because of the writing i mean the direction there are some nice moments here and there but the direction's not much to write home about this thing was filmed almost entirely on a set you know with backdrops yep. it's not like there's like a lot of technical Amazingness this in whole here. movie is Burbank, except for one scene at the airport, which is at the right. like Culver City airport. I think it's Van Nuys. Yeah, but the camera, the the lighting is great, but the camera movement is is very much in your face and kind of over the top. Yeah, there's one move where Rick just is just walking across the empty Rick set to answer the door, and the camera is all the way up in the rafters, following him in one long turn. And it really drew attention to itself. I felt like, yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of zooming in or dollying in that is, you know, kind of hey, here's something important. Look, look listen, listen. <laughs> right, right. So it's the the writing in the cast. Yeah. I, I think the, ca- the the writing undercuts the the, the direction, and I think uh, a lot of the cast. Although I don't think of this as being a particularly underplayed, any of these roles as being particularly <laughs> underplayed. Yes, the, the, this movie is all about subtlety, really. When, it they comes are, down to it. when you compare it to the direction, though, they are kind of underplaying it. So, like, uh, you know, when when Claude Rains this is much later on, when Claude Rains, uh, when they shut down, when they shut down Ricks, and uh, you know, I'm shocked, shocked. There's gambling in here. Okay. That in itself would have been funny, and that was all that was necessary. No, they have no. You have to push it by having the guy come up and say, "You're winning, sir," which is stupid. <laughs> that's but a great. Oh, that's so good. No, though. that's a good. Oh, I love that guy. It's I my favorite gag. I, no, I don't think that's great. I think that's too much. But uh-huh. but the great thing is that Claude Rains just says thank you. He, do, he doesn't. <laughs> you know, he doesn't. He doesn't do a spit take. He does, doesn't do right, any of that right, stuff. Yeah. He, he, he knows he's being a hypocrite. He takes the money. Boom. Puts he's it not going to leave the money. That's on. for sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy gets the tiniest little glare from uh, Rick. Just a little, come on, man. You don't have to pay him now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The delay between him saying, I'm shocked, shocked, and your winnings always kills me, too. Where it's like a few seconds of nothing. And then he's like, yeah, now you're winning, sir. And he takes the money because, of course, he takes the money because he's not going to not take money. No, of That's course what he's all about so jason to your point about um the the lines i don't know if you remember from when we saw it in uh, about 25 years ago at yeah the, i do at the i camp. might not um the line that got the biggest reaction from the audience is um from emile the croupier uh, uh when he when uh rick uh later on helps the refugees from bulgaria and by by cheating at roulette and mm-hmm. he says to the croupier how are we doing tonight and the croupier says a couple of thousand francs less than i thought that yep. that brought the, the freaking house down. It, 
1992 San Diego movie theater. It's a good, that we, it's a good line. Uh, I laugh at that every time because it's that nice mixture of like, you know, how, how we doing in night? It's like, well, we were doing better before you just gave yeah. away money to these refugees. Right. Right? Especially because he apologizes so profusely earlier on for losing a whole bunch of money. Like, yep. I, this won't happen again, you know, and, and so it's, it's a nice turnabout. I like that because half the staff is delighted that Rick's suddenly showing yes. some honor, like... Sakal cannot get over how thrilled he is. But meanwhile, some of us have to like, aren't we here just to rip these people off? Yeah. Isn't that our job as a bar in Casablanca? Didn't you see the opening scene? Yeah, the cheating the cheating roulette wheel is supposed to cheat it for our favor, not for other people's favor. But okay, all right. You're the boss, Rick. You're the boss. A line that I like that is at this point, as we're as we're kind of moving through the plot, we should I'm gonna have to speed it up a little bit, but you know. Go back to whatever you want to talk about. But there is a nice moment where uh, Humphrey Bogart says something like, uh, that's the sort of thing that gives the Third Reich the reputation it has. And it's and it's it just lays there. It's just it's just there. But it's very clear that he doesn't he does not mean it in a positive way. It's a, a very nice little Nazi jab at uh, Strasse. You know, you you mentioning that, you know, we've, we've got to get moving or we're going to be talking about this for eight hours is one yep. of the reasons that I think the movie is so beloved, because it has so many of these little moments that it does in, in terms of the screen time of the movie. Just just the bit with Renault and the winnings. That is seconds. And we've talked about it for minutes. And that's that that's the thing is there there is so much bundled into it. There's it, it it's a it is a a, a brilliant socio political you know uh, like you were saying uh, kind of Cold War precursoring uh, sort of narrative that's wrapped in the in the speed and delivery of a farce at times where things are just going crack 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 crack. So to, so to skip ahead, uh, we we learn very quickly that Ilsa recognizes Sam and therefore knows Rick. Yeah, and- well, and Sam recognizes. Sam recognizes Ilsa in one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. He sees her go by and he's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Julie Wilson's best moments in this movie are just shaking his head. Like the oh, third time he has to play as time goes by, he's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, but he knows like everything is going to be bad because here she is because he was with Rick and Francis. We're going to see later. And uh, they come in and then she says, play as time goes by. And he and he tries really hard. He says, uh, Rick's not around. He's off with a girl somewhere at the Blue Parrot. He, he's, he's pulling out every excuse in the suitcase. I can't remember. I'm a little rusty. Okay, I'll just play it. No, you need to sing it. He's like, all right. Uh, and then... Then, so that's all really great. And then that moment where, you know, in a lot of movies, you have like the people pretending that they don't care, and then they eventually break down and, and reveal that, yes, of course they do care. That's not what happens with, with, uh, with Rick. Rick hears as time goes by being played and is so infuriated that he comes over to Sam to say, Sam, I told you never to play that. At which point he realizes that Elsa's there. And it's such a great moment because he is And again, caught. Julie Wilson gives that head, gives that head jerk. To, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Look over there. It's not me. And he can't deny how much he loves her and how much he hurts that she left him because he banned that song. Yeah. Bogart, <laughs> Bogart's face in that moment where he sees oh Ingrid Bergman is oh. everything. It's so, oh. it's so, it runs through such a gamut of emotions, even in just a split second, that it is, is truly some fine work happening there without a word. 
there's a better face that he gives later on, um, and it's in the the Paris flashback scene, which um, I I don't much care for. But yeah. it's when he's getting yeah, on the train sappy. and gets yeah. th- gets the note from Ilsa and crumples up the note, and you can just see you can pause the movie and go, oh, here's where his soul died. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> yep. that's where he switches from happy flashback Rick to the yeah. embittered Rick. stoic yeah. Rick that we've gotten used to so far, exactly. and then we cut to. The modern time where actually this is now super angry, drunk, bitter Rick. Oh. <laughs> and that right. dude's a good actor. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> this 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 series of looks and and bits of acting that are so incredibly uncommon that we we had this murderer's row of talent uh, back at the time that this movie was made, where these people had those incredible chops. Uh, again, one of the reasons that I think I think the movie lasts so well is that you get so much storytelling in looks. And yes, they're you know they're vignettes that we cut back and 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 do flashbacks with, but you get a lot of the story already told to you just from those looks before it even cuts uh, to the to the to the time before. Um, and for me, that's, that, that's one of the pieces of it. And it even goes to, uh, you know, I, I, I love that we're giving some, some very due praise to Dooley Wilson, who is playing the most prescient, perceptive, and with it character in the movie, if you ask me, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of very smart and very competent people, but, but Sam, Sam sees everything that is coming from a mile away with absolute certainty um and mm-hmm. and getting getting to see him play play this role the the way that he gets to play it is something that it, it's sad that it's still relatively fresh to get to see a black man get to play that kind of part um and and we we get it in yes the stuff that he says but also the look of recognition just the instant that he sees uh sees also um uh pass by Here's your movie. This is what this movie is going to be about from now on is the entry of her into uh, into Rick's life, the re-entry. Um, there are so, yeah, there uh, he he drinks after hours. Sam is going to not leave him. He's going to stay right there. Um, he says, I bet they're asleep all over America, which we mentioned. There's the famous of all the gin joints in all the world. She had to walk into the, into mine. Um, and then, of course, he says to Sam, you played it for her. You can play it for me. If she can stand it, I can. I know it's overcorded, but the line, if she can stand it, I can. I know. Works on me so well. No, this in, in a couple of moments you see everything about how destroyed Humphrey Bogart is, right? Like again, I I love if she can stand it, I can is great, but also that moment where he is completely unguarded because he doesn't know she's there, and he's furious that Sam is playing that song that means everything about that destroyed relationship and how it ended in Paris, and that at that moment he realizes she's there and she sees him and she knows everything about how he's feeling right now. Like those two scenes. Uh, that and the if she can stand it, I can't. Like, I don't know that the the, ec- the economical nature in which you get to understand everything about how this guy is miserable, which quite honestly is one of the reasons why the flashback does not to be need to be as long as it is, yep. because well, I got it already. Like, I got it. I know how much she meant to him. Well, the 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 thing that we want to see the flashback for is uh, is Ilsa in the beret in the, <laughs> in the cafe Pierre because that oh, that sure. is. That she has got some serious hat work going on in this movie, and and I do wish Lisa Schmeiser were here to talk about the fashion in this movie uh, because I'm not really qualified to it, but to do that. But man, that beret is is something else. Um, I w- in in the uh, in the 
uh, in all the gin joints in all the world, of all the gin joints in all the world scene, there's a, there's a bit that I think is better than any of the lines. <clears throat> and it's, I think it's just before we get into the flashback. So, you know, we're, we're doing this, <laughs> this ridiculously overly dramatic, uh, dolly in or zoom in on Rick and it pauses for a little bit and he's been, he's been saying things and he's been drinking and stuff. And there's a point where he just kind of, <clears throat> there's the, it's, there's just mm-hmm. a grunt. It's like, he can't even say anything. And in some ways, and the more I've seen this movie, and of course you, when you see it a lot, you know, all the lines and you're waiting for them and you, you know, they, they mean less to you in some ways because you've, you've seen them all. Um, but that little grunt where he can't even, he can't even express himself. I think can't was, even. was really, yeah, I can't even, uh, yeah, it, I, I love that part. I love that little bit. And I don't think it's in the script. The flashback is, uh, is weird. There are things about it that I, that I, um, amuse me every time I see this movie, uh, namely that there is the, them driving their car in front of the rear projection yeah. screen <laughs> yeah, in, which, that. in which there is a dissolve as if they have beamed from one. I mean, again, it's the movie just saying, you know, Look, this is a flashback montage. We don't care. Jason, I don't know if you've ever been to Paris as I have, but quite quite clearly when you are at the Arc de Triomphe, it immediately dissolves to a forest somewhere. So what happens is there's um, like loudspeaker talk in French, and then later there's loudspeaker talk in German, which I think is an effective way of saying, oh, who's got control of the loudspeakers yep. now? Like, yeah, we're not going to translate sign. this. World War that's II was indeed, few people know this, but it was in fact a battle over controlling uh, loudspeakers. Uh, whoever got the <laughs> it microphone. Was a, uh, it was a DJ yeah. battle. The great, at the, at the, uh, the famous Maginot mic drop. That, that explains a lot of scenes in MASH, too, now that you mention mm, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. indeed, indeed. So the Nazis are coming to Paris. There's a lot of here's looking at you, kid, his, uh, his line that he keeps saying to her, which comes back in there. There's a, a, there is a laughably bad line followed by a Bogart line that undercuts it that is really great in here. That's one of my favorite things in the flashback, which is, is that cannon fire or my heart pounding? Yeah. <laughs> and he says, that's a German 77. Yeah. <laughs> like, Come on, lady. <laughs> that's and, and it's like, okay, that is who Rick is. Like, Rick... Is is not a lot of uh, like like super uh, squishy romance even in him when he's not had his heart broken yet. It's like yeah, that's a that's a big gun. That's what that is. That lady. She doesn't come to the train. She get he he gets a note. The note's ink bleeds off in the ridiculously heavy rain that is falling down. Like as Roger Ebert I think said in his commentary, uh, like the note itself is crying. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's it. There, that's the. Uh, that's the story. And uh, so then she comes to the bar after the flashback and, and uh, he confronts her and he is drunk and he is angry. Um, and uh, it's tough. He's so mean in this scene. Yeah, he's very he's an angry he's drunk a, is what we learned drunk. from. Uh, yeah. Like, it's not just that he's not as happy as he was in the flashback. He's being way more personal than he was at the beginning oh, yeah. of the movie. Oh, yeah. Well, he's like, calling her a whore. Yeah. It swung yes, all the way is. to the other direction. I mean, when Rick. When Rick earlier says he's a his nationality is drunkard, that's a very angry nation. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> he is really at home in this scene. Yeah, um, it, it's a uh, it's a it's it's quite a thing. But I mean, he he, I think he feels like righteous 
about this, right? Like she left him, uh, he was mistreated and now he's going to let her have it. He's probably like thought about this a million times and, and now he's just going to let it all out. And she, uh, she's kind of having none of it. And, and, uh, she was going to tell him the story, but he doesn't want to hear it. And so she's not going to tell it. And so, uh, and the, she takes off the next morning. Um, they tell uh, Laszlo and Elsa that they're not going to be allowed to get out. This is this is Renault and Strasse. Yeah, Renault and Strasse are are uh, are there at the police station. They're not going to let him out. Um, and uh, we also get a line in here about how oh another visa problem has come come up. Show her in uh, again. How that got past the and and this is where we also learn that Ugarte is dead. 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 Is dead. 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 Yep. Yep. He's dead. We we haven't decided yet how he died. Um, but he he died. We also get our second shot, quickly followed, I think, by our third shot of our Bulgarian couple who are in yes. the oh, yeah. first scene. And oh, yeah, the they're everywhere office. in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're hanging we around the edges here. Ferrari, the man with the black market at the Blue Parrot, he wants the letters of transit in exchange for a a percentage so sydney green street sort of like tries to talk to rick and says well, you know i know you've got them but wait 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 wait, wait 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 we have sydney green street in a fez here <laughs> i mean <laughs> that that is the that's the most I, sometimes that's all i notice about about this part <laughs> of it is the fez, sydney fez green street cool. is a fez and the fly swatter yep that, oh that's, yeah i don't what dialogue i have no idea there's dialogue in there, but you, I, I, yeah, I know you're blinded by the fez. I get it. Blinded by the fez. Thank you, Monty. <laughs> As leader of the black market in Casablanca, I am a respected individual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I even got this fez somehow. <laughs> I'm head of the Kiwanis. <laughs> Do you want a little car to drive around in? I can get it for you. So Ilsa and Rick meet again. Yes, and this 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 is in the harsh light of day, and with now the MVP he wants to... of the scene, the, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the special the, the rod trader. Yeah. I do love that guy. <laughs> she is trying to buy some cloth. Rick is trying to have a conversation with mm-hmm. her. The trader, sensing that they have a special relationship, keeps dropping the price. Keeps dropping reading, the price. The price reading the context to two hundred francs yeah, for very special friends of Rick's, mm-hmm. and he has cards for all of them. He I does. Yes, that's, that's uh, pretty awesome. Can I also just point out Humphrey Bogart's slightly bizarre pronunciation of the liquor he was drinking the previous night? Because I'm pretty sure he says bourbon. He does. <laughs> it's a little odd. Then he must be right. That's the Moroccan I'm, pronunciation. He's still drunk. Sorry, he's still he's still drunk. If you watch enough uh, Humphrey Bogart movies as I do, this is a tick. Yep. <laughs> he says bourbon again. and he has a lot more little dogs than you would think people in yeah. his roles would have. Yep. Again, strong hat by with uh, with Ilsa. This time in the light of day, uh, he wants to know the story and thinks he deserves an answer. And she is, she doesn't want to give it to him, uh, but she does reveal that Victor is not only her husband, but was even when they were together in Paris. <gasps> Gasp. Uh, Ferrari can can get her out, but she refuses. Uh, she's not going to go without her husband. And he says to them both, and, the, and this is the scene where he's like, uh, well, I, Rick has the letters of transit, and you might want to you, you I might don't know talk. why I'm telling you this, because it profits me not a, not a bit. 
And the, well, the best part is he's like, I'll leave you here to discuss this. I'll be at the bar. And then he goes away and they're immediately like, oh, he's over there. We should probably go talk to him <laughs> over there. It doesn't last very long, but you need to talk to Rick. And that's the, that's the, the key part here is that, um, you know, Rick is basically Laszlo needs to know what's going on. And that means that Rick is, Rick needs to talk to him and the secrets about, uh, Rick and Elsa in France need to, need to come out at last. Um, uh, there's also a great line here because they search Rick's uh, they search Rick's place for the papers, but don't find it. And uh, and I enjoyed the line. I told my men to toss the place extra violently. The Germans like that. Yeah, you know how that impresses Germans. It would take a miracle, and the Germans have outlawed miracles. Oh, yes. but you're 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 all forgetting the greatest uh, the greatest little uh, shade thrown at Germany, which is uh, uh, our good friend S.C. Sakal. Uh, give Major Strasse the best table. I have already given him the best, knowing he is German and would take it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I love S.C. Sakal. Yeah, he's he seems great. To have a good time. He's just smiling his way through the whole movie it's great as the maitre d basically Her professor uh, yes that's all good and he has a great scene actually we're at the point now where where he has a uh, uh a really great scene where he talks to the old german couple who's getting on the plane the next day to go to america and so they're only speaking english which leads to the fantastic exchange <laughs> what watch? watch 10 watch <laughs> such much at which point he says you'll fit right in <laughs> <laughs> fans, it's fans of the old movie podcast will uh, recognize the old man as uh, Pop Gehrig from Pride of the Yankees. And that's that's how uh, Germans Ur is uh, what hour, and it's also a uh, uh, watch. So they, they, it makes sense that they would get that wrong, but it's cute. cute. Again, a cute little thing. We could have a whole movie about the adventures of old German people as they move to America, but we're, that's uh, not the this movie. The adventures of old German people. <laughs> The two the two reasons why they return to Rick there there are two um, uh, Rick's cafe is the uh, one to show the tensions are about to boil over in Casablanca because Yvonne shows up with a, a German officer and that that does not make the Frenchies uh, very <laughs> no. happy in the cafe they get in a fight with the Germans yeah and uh, and this is uh, Major Strauss's opportunity to go oh this Victor Laszlo there's unrest and he's gonna take advantage of it so we we have to act soon and he he delivers my favorite conrad fight fight line which is we know that everywhere is honeycombed with traitors and now mm. i wish there was conrad Veidt conrad Veidt talking about his f- favorite cereal everyone run, run, <laughs> loves honeycomb honeycombs with traitors he's mm-hmm. my favorite breakfast in the morning now with traitors with some orange juice and maybe marshmallow an traitors yeah so there's that and also uh victor laszlo has to uh has to meet up with uh, uh, Rick to uh, try and persuade him to uh, to sell those letters of transit. It is not a negotiation that goes well. No, no, he has lots of speechifying, but it it, it yeah. does not ask your ask your ask wife your again. Wife. This leads to them. I won't let you have them for any price. Ask your wife. My I wife. I don't understand. Yes. I'm, I'm giving my best speeches here. These usually <laughs> work. Now, uh, right before that moment, we do have the the uh, Rick. So there's this whole little bit about the 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 um, Bulgarians, which we've mentioned before. This is where it all kind of gets resolved. There is a uh, uh, a very funny moment that also, again, how did this get allowed to stay in the movie? Where it's like you're underage. My husband came too. Oh, Captain Renault is getting broad-minded. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we basically find out that this young that this young couple are trying to get to America. They don't have any money. Uh, Captain Renault has offered to help them in the way that Captain Renault has been helping lots of ladies. You know, helping unwed mothers get their start in this world. But yeah, she, um, <laughs> she tells this to Rick, and and, and it's all very 
very much like if somebody loved you very much and she did a bad thing, could you forgive her? Which has all the levels of like, uh, you know, his relationship with Ilsa and all that, but also that she's basically saying, if I sleep with Captain Renault, um, uh, he'll let me out. And this is why he chooses to steer her to the roulette table and put it all on number 22. And they, they do the, 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 you know, the cheating at the roulette table to get it, leave it there. And it hits 22 again to cash out the money and never come back. And they get to, they get to go along their way. And, and Renault interesting for this character. Like he, why do you interfere with my romances? He says, right? Like he's, he's been cheated out of that. And yet he also kind of goes along with it. Cause he's like, Oh, but then again, the money is good. Their earnestness too, where he says, they say, we'll be there at six. And he's like, ah, I'll be, I'll be there 10. at 10. <laughs> He also has that line that he says to Humphrey Bogart, and um, the line itself is so-so, but Claude Rains adds the sing at the end. He says, well, I'll be in tomorrow night with a breathtaking blonde, and it will make me very happy if she loses. And then as he's walking away, he adds this little, mm-hmm. <laughs> I told him. Yeah. This, this particular bit is something that makes me have to call out how, over time, my relationship with Renault as a character has changed, where I really liked him. I really liked him. And now I really appreciate the performance and it's very well done, but it's really especially disgusting that he uses the word romances. And this is where you you really get that full context of no, there's there's being kind of a sleaze and being suggestive. And there is no explicitly this is what's going on. This guy is trading people their bodies for their lives and as as entertaining as he can be and as many wonderfully uh, delivered and memorable lines as he's got in the movie I, I you know i feel like the the changing lens that a lot of people see cinema through there are a lot of things that we just brush under the carpet and this is where if if you have a pretty favorable feeling about renault or uh you know you're you're uh you're disposed to say well i mean look at the time and look at the pressures and nobody knew if they were going to make it out alive and desperate people do desperate things but he wasn't a desperate person. He was the one inducing the desperate people to do the desperate things. I think at best, he is a morally shady character, very dark shady. And even then, only because at the end of the movie, he goes off to put his life on the line to fight the Nazis. If he doesn't have that final moment of the movie, then he's just an evil character the whole time yeah who happens to say funny things and look he totally. and rick have this relationship where they get along but, but they're also sort of like useful to each other but you know rick also hears the story of the girl from bulgaria and gets her money to so she doesn't have to deal with renault <laughs> rick actually changes right or at least we see him yeah. change because he starts from i don't stick my neck out for anybody and Ilse's reappearance has him, you know, basically reinstates a moral code to him, whereas yeah. Louis doesn't have the benefit of that. Louis is still his amoral, the same amoral self up until the very end, which we'll get to. Well, even without Ilsa, Rick's repeated refrain is no politics. Right. Until the point where the Third Reich is in his bar and he has to pick a side. Yeah, I mean, if Rick were on Twitter today, I mean, what, what I would say about Captain uh, or about Twitter. about Renault <laughs> yeah, is uh, he's like any man, but more so. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
which is another line that I really, I really like. Uh, yeah, he's no, this is, that, that's what this scene is all about. And that's one of the things I like about it. And, and, uh, and the fact that he's just got another, uh, another one lined up for tomorrow says everything you need to know about, about, yeah. about him. The thing about, the thing about Renault is that you, you have this despicable character who is played by this utterly charming a- yep. and charismatic actor. And so, you you can't help but like him because of the actor and it's and it's all it's spending your time looking at the little bits of business that he does and how he delivers his lines and how he swallows certain things and doesn't you know he doesn't punch things up it it's it's a marvelous performance and it, and it's the performance i focus on the more the more often i watch it because you know you know what bogart's going to do and you know, I, and I, you know, I spend a lot of time looking at Ingrid Bergman, but it, it is it, it, it's Claude Rains that that runs this movie mm. to me now. Now, you know, first time you see it, first few times you see it, maybe not so, but certainly after you've seen it many times. I think I like that the movie has a morally compromised character who's actually gone all the way past compromised into outright abusive power, because yes. Rick feels like he ought to be morally compromised, but really the worst thing we learn about him is that he doesn't call a girl back the next day. And runs, I mean, and runs a gambling establishment. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but like that Rick doesn't do anything that bad, but we, we were told this is Casablanca where everybody does bad things. So I do like that Renault does bad things. I think that holds up what we're told about the city a little better. Mm. The the chief of police should be corrupt. It's yeah. Casablanca. Boy, is he? Is he ever? Yeah. The, the one um, little thing I wanted to tag was was I I I think Drang really might be hitting on something about you know charismatic, likable actors hiding disgusting, horrible, morally compromised people <laughs> underneath. I think there might be something to this theory, uh, in in the broader sense. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And to- totally too, right? Like this is not a movie about what a monster he is right <laughs> and so you have a you have a charismatic actor playing him uh he's funny he is our, sort of our narrator at many points and observing what's going on around there it's clear that he has you know is doing these horrible things but that's not what the movie's about and so it's just kind of commented on in passing and it's there but it is an there, enjoyable there's performance so many, there's so many more horrible things happening in the world what are you going to pay the small amount yeah. of attention and time and energy that you have to, and nobody can be everywhere all at once and solve everything neatly. Yeah. He's bad. He's, he's better than the Nazis. So, <laughs> and our hero, Rick, right. Makes the move to, to get the Bulgarian couple out. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's his reaction is interesting because his reaction is, well, oh, well, I'll take the money instead. That's fine. I'll be there at 10. And like, he doesn't be like, Rick, oh, you ruined my, my game. He's like, all right, that's, you know, that's how the game is played. Well, and he's well just on played. to the next one. Yeah, exactly right. Which says something too about, about his whole attitude here. So, Big scene. Next scene. It's the huge scene. The Germans start singing a German song, uh, Watch on the Rhine, and uh, Laszlo walks over to the 
uh, to the band and says, play La Marseillaise. And uh, the people start getting up and singing that. And it's very much the defiance. Oh, but, but, but they only play when Rick gives his nod. Yes, that's true. Yes. Rick, the, the band looks at Rick and Rick's like, yeah, okay. And then they play. And uh, this is uh, the French giving the finger to the to the Germans. And this is basically the French saying, we resist your, uh, your takeover of our, of our country. And of course, um, there are stories about this scene because many of the people in this movie who are extras were actually people who had fled Europe and fled the Nazis and were in this scene. And there are several accounts of how many of the people on the set during this, the shooting of this scene were in tears because this is a movie made during World War II in which the people who are standing up to the Nazis and singing the, singing the French anthem are literally refugees who can't go home because the Nazis have taken over their country, which adds this whole other dimension to this scene that's already a pretty amazing scene. But then you realize the people in it are all actually refugees who can't go home because of the Nazis. That's and it- and it's in amazing. fact, the, the Nazi in the scene is a refugee who fled yeah. the, the yeah. Nazis. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of our well, best theatrical Nazis were people who fled the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> well, weirdly enough, not a lot of actual Nazis playing Nazis on screen. Strange. These days. The, the scene, the scene that we were calling out a little bit earlier with Strasse in it is is really to me one of the iconic archetypical movie Nazi performances that influenced decades and decades of Nazi performances after it um, because they, they had been depicted on film, but in particular Conrad Veidt performing it that way is something that, I mean, you can see it echoing throughout throughout as, as kind of your, your standard garden variety Nazi commander performance. Uh, And, and it's something that I think we're, we, we have seen so many of them now that seeing it as an, as an early starting point of, of not just winking and nodding, not just um, not just just tipping the hand, but just putting the cards on the table um, and and portraying these people the the way that they were actually conducting themselves. Right. And it's more I mean, it's also a little tricky because in the context, as we've discussed, a lot of the horrible atrocities that the Nazis are committing are not known yet. And so we do have these oily, slimy Nazi villains who are textbook you know, cartoon villains in some ways. And yet it's not even the full, it's not even the full reflection of the horrible atrocities in the same way that Spielberg decided, you know, he wasn't going to do this kind of Nazi uh, again after, after his, you know, further investigation into it. So it's, it's a, it's an interesting prototypical It it was an interesting time of rumor ruling the day where you didn't have the certainty of the war having happened and knowing what had happened in retrospect. I mean, we have reference to the concentration camps and people didn't know with certainty that really bad stuff was happening. But there was certainly word that had gotten around that something was not going well there. And and at least some people were were of the mind that that there 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 were bad things going on. Um, So it's it's. It's it's this weird, interesting liminal place where the reality of the time was based in assumption because they had nothing else to go on other than that. The the plot at the end here picks up pretty fast, right? Um, 
Elsa uh, <laughs> is in uh, is in Bogart's office. Uh, she, you know, his she office slash a, slash apartment. Yeah, he right. Like he was above a saloon, and she says, you know, she doesn't believe anything he'll say because, uh, you know, uh, or he says, or he doesn't believe her. You'll say anything to get what you want. She pulls a gun. Go ahead and shoot. You'll be doing me a favor, he says. Uh, but you know, the, oh, but but I still love you. And as time goes by, swells in the music, Ugh. and she tells the story about how she thought that Victor was dead. Then she found out he wasn't. She doesn't want to leave you again. She'll stay with with Rick. She does say strangely, it's like I don't know what's right anymore. You decide. You decide our fates. You just I put it all on you. I do think it's worth pointing out that the his line about I, I'm not going to believe anything you say is directly in verse to to um to laszlo's line right before she leaves for rick's saying i'll believe he literally says to her moments before i believe i'll believe anything you tell me right when she sort of asks whether or not you know he would believe if she did something like for the good of his good their happiness that would be compromised so it's interesting to watch their two polar opposites in some ways in terms of their relationship with her and yet they they intersect I think Ingrid Bergman is incredible in this scene and indeed this whole movie. I uh, I agree. She is not as much she doesn't get as many fun lines as a Sydney Greenstreet no. or Peter Laurie. But but like there's one time when I think it's in this scene where she's listening to as time goes by and they just hold a close up on her. Oh, it lasts oh. for five minutes. And oh yeah. She's so riveting in it. And she you is can, luminous. Oh, mm-hmm. And you can see everything she's feeling and she starts to cry and and she's good in this movie. Yeah, that that when she's just sitting there looking and listening, that is an amazing uh, moment when she's doing that. And and it's and the way I mean they the way it's shot, it is in, as is a tradition for many of the of, of the films of this era. The way it is shot is and lit is yep. <laughs> as flattering as possible to her as uh, you know also oh, bogart, good luck making ingrid bergman look good bogart, bogart <laughs> yeah. sits on pillows at a few points so that he seems taller because she was taller than him but uh she looks yeah she looks great it's a it's amazing there is also a moment first time i've ever noticed this in that scene when she's just looking out there where i thought oh yeah that is isabella rossellini's mom isn't it <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like i know that face that is yep mm-hmm, yeah it's amazing uh that's an amazing scene and then um you know so she but she kind of like just puts it on rick like i don't want to leave you again and this is the thing always got me like people seriously having debates about like what she thinks and who she really loves and who she wants the movie is very clear that her relationship with with victor was not the love of her life and it, you know but and then she found the love of her life but she was already married to him and he's an important man but it's very clear and this scene makes it completely clear that she loves Rick and she can't bear to leave him again. And if, if she has to make a decision, she's not going to keep the famous guy who is going to be very important to the resistance and the future of the world. Cause that's not what, that's not the person she wants to be with. And, and, and then she puts it on Rick and says, you know, you, you figure it out. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. I, I will say though, but though in the, uh, in the anthem singing scene just before this, there's another there's another scene where we where we just uh, the camera holds on Ingrid Bergman's face, who is, which is immobile. But you're seeing her look at at Victor, and she clearly loves Victor in that scene because of mm. because of what he did. Yes, what, because of what he did and who he, what he represents. Well, yeah, you could you could phrase it that way if you wanted to, which is she loves these two men, one of them for kind of who he is as a as a as a decent human being who wants to make the world a better place and then Humphrey Bogart who she loves because 
of other reasons, I, I would well, to, say. To, yes. to, put it in, to put it in classic <laughs> romantic comedy terms, she loves the idea of one guy and she really loves the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it goes deeper than that because I, I, when you see her with Victor, she's – I don't think she has to convince herself that she loves Victor. I think she, she really does love Victor. Yeah, but it comes from it, it just seems to come from a very different place. That's her I'm a I'm a grown up. This is serious. It's important. I'm going to be supportive of my husband kind of thing. Yeah, but and, I think I think it's no less real because of that. Hmm. I I, th- I think I think it's fair. I mean, there's 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 intellectual there's the the, uh, the you know, the the head and the heart attraction of things and I I I you know, I I tend to agree with you that I I don't feel it's fair to invalidate one over the other and if anything, I if you want to look at it metatextually, it's it's that that's an impossible choice and whichever choice mm. you go with it, it, it there's no way to tie it up neatly and say yeah that's perfect and that's fine and part of what makes the story so beautiful for me is that imperfection is that everything is not solved by the resolution that we get it's messy it has rough edges and it doesn't fit perfectly enough to suit any two people that want to argue about it well and what she's saying to rick is um, I left you once and I can't do that again. So, uh, and I, I don't know what to do now. I don't know what's right. She's basically saying, you're going to have to make the tough decision this time to separate us because I'm not capable of doing it. And yeah, I did puts it, once. it to him. And yeah. And I'm, I won't do it again. And so that leaves it to Rick to say, well, what do you want guy? You could flee with her and leave this person who's incredibly important to the future of the world behind or to be shot, <laughs> or you can be the one to make that tough decision that that is to put her on the plane with him and and that is what he does spoiler alert uh that is what happens at the end what? of this film if you only watch the first Damn part it. of it and haven't watched the rest of it so anyway there's a there's a whole setup thing where bogart goes to louis and he says uh let let laszlo out because they arrested him um let let him out and don't follow him around and i'm going to set him up because i'm going to give him the documents and then you can catch him with the documents which is what happens but then rick has pulled a fast one and he pulls a gun and says what well, what's actually going to happen is we're going to go to the airport I, I i do enjoy the whole the whole um switcheroo that he pulls here because not only has he tricked renault he's tricked laszlo he's tricked he's tricked uh, elsa they all think that something different is happening and he's the he's the puppet master pulling the strings that said it is a very complicated uh, uh switcheroo that he has concocted at which point anything could have gone wrong also as- i mean there is the whole scene which i enjoy which is him basically telling ferrari that he's gonna keep the bar and i kind of wonder why if he knows he's not going, is he unsure at this point? Is it to merely to keep up the pretense to everybody else that he's leaving? It, it's a great scene. I but think it he knows he, little... can't stay, he can't yeah. hang around after, after yeah, he pulls yeah. this. He may not be going with them, but he's got to get out of town. Yeah, I think that that's exactly it. He's not going to be allowed to run his establishment regardless, so he's probably going to have to flee. Yeah, the last 15 the or place. 20 minutes of this movie has more plot than than the preceding hour and a half. I mean, yeah, it, no yeah everything happens very quickly. Well, we're running out of film. And, that, and Louis, Louis has a few more. You, you, you have even less scruples than I, he says at one point. It's very, it's very fun. Um, and he says, uh, Rick says, I don't, I won't, wouldn't like to shoot you, but I will. 
Under the circumstances, I will sit down. Gun and this gun is pointed right at your heart. That is my, my least vulnerable, vulnerable spot. spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he tells him to call the airport and get let them uh, let let them know that they're coming. And he calls Major Strassa, which I think is an interesting moment. He's he's not going to go that far. He's going to he's going to call Major Strassa and 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 just say, oh yes, uh, just uh, have those letters of transit ready. I, I and, think that's Louis building in a level of deniability <laughs> yeah. in, case this, in case this thing doesn't oh, yeah. uh, doesn't go right. Hey man, I tried to tell you. But, but I would like to say I love that Louis is as flip about his own possible demise as he is about everyone else's. <laughs> yes. Like, you're going to shoot me? Well, yeah. All right. life is, I had, life I had is a good run. <laughs> yeah. I can see how you might want to do that. Sure. All right. So they go to the airport where it's foggy and uh, the ground is wet. <laughs> oh, oh and, none of the planes are real. And <laughs> the, the guy not- in the uh, hangar, when we first get there, on the phone says, Visibility one and one half miles. Light yeah. ground fog. That's light ground fog? You can barely yeah. see to the plane. It it looks like they're looking out over the surface of the moon Titan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just light ground fog. It'll be fine. You don't, you guys don't understand aviation in Casablanca. You guys don't it's fine. know nothing about Casablanca. There's a, there's a <laughs> war You know on. nothing about the methane lakes of Casablanca. <laughs> I, came, I came to Casablanca for the fogs. And the reason they had to do the cardboard cutout was because they couldn't film at night at an airport because of blackout restrictions. Restrictions. Right, right. So that this is a, it's actually a cardboard cutout of a plane that's very small, and then they have small people like, like little, little people as the little ground people crew, yes, as the ground crew, and it's all forced perspective basically to make it seem like a like that's a big great plane. though. People love that in Night of the Hunter. Why don't you love it here? <laughs> yeah, no, I think no. This is this plane is good. I, I just the flying plane <laughs> oh, is fake, I, I, but this I plane say, is good. I, I didn't say I didn't love it. No, I just, <laughs> it's great. I just had to. I just had to had to bring it around to how it totally works. So Bogart uh, says at this point, like you, you know actually put fill it out for uh mr and mrs victor laszlo you're going on the plane that's where you belong uh we get the famous the whole speech here you're not you're if not you're not on there you'll regret it maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but soon and the hill of beans in this crazy world these this is not the dialogue that i particularly love in this movie that everybody quotes this supports my theory that heroes talk in speeches because this is the one time when he's truly heroic and he gives up his usual one-liners and things like, are my eyes really brown? Like Now he's doing the right thing. That means that now I speak in speeches. Yeah, but Cap- Captain Renault's there to inject some levity yeah. into this with the whole, <laughs> Dodds are, we'll wind up in a concentration camp. Isn't that right, Louis? Uh, Major Strasser will insist upon it. <laughs> this is where I have a little plot problem with this movie. This is where? Yep. Yeah. Because once we get to this point, I've bought the letters of transit the whole time. Sure. <laughs> but... Couldn't we just get all get on the plane and tell the pilot to take off? You've yes. got a gun. Is it, the, is it the pilot that's a real stickler about these things being signed? Yeah, they're not going to send you back when you land in Lisbon, are they? Um, no, I, don't, I don't. I don't know. So. Maybe they're maybe they're sticklers in Lisbon. I also like. I, does anybody else not enjoy the fact that Strasser drives himself to the airport? <laughs> it's very early or late. Fur- or something. Furiously. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And, and so that. I mean, that's the real drama here. Is that is that we've got the we've got the. We'll always have Paris. I'm going to put you on the flight. But then Strasser shows up, and there's that moment of like, oh well, Laszlo's on that flight. No, we have to stop it. And 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 Bogart's like. Don't pick up the phone. Get off the phone, and then and then finally he gets out the gun and and uh, and shoots him 
Like, he gives him every opportunity to just weigh it, it out. Self-defense. Strasser pulls a gun on him. Strasser too. pulls a gun. He finally has to fire. He, he, he tries so I don't not to. Be all, I don't want to be all rickshot first here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> if you find the original trailer for Casablanca, there is a yeah. line that got cut out of the uh, – the, the the movie where where Humphrey Bogart actually says, All right, Major, you asked for it and Oof. guns him down <laughs> Which seemingly gives away the movie in the trailer, but what uh, it's nineteen forty two Bogart so. shoots they're, Nazis. They're selling, What's wrong with it's, that? it's Humphrey Bogart firing off those arm cannons like never before, kids. Yeah. And so and so at that point what's funny and as a kid I didn't understand this as much as I, I understand it now, like this is the moment where they're both like, okay, we got to, this whole f- the situation has gone to hell. The Nazi <laughs> guy is dead. The the famous guy is gone. We, we are out of here. And so the, then, uh, uh, Louie's going to join up with, uh, with Rick and they're going to go to the, to Brazzaville and join the free French. And, uh, it's a beginning of a beautiful friendship. And that's the end of the movie. Like we're out of here. So, so the next day, the other Germans are going to be like, what the hell happened? Where's the guy? Yeah. Uh, this guy's dead. Where's the police? chief where's the they're all gone what and it's like well yeah that's what <laughs> happens Care, it's, Hines it's Casablanca. Is going to be very confused about this <laughs> well, I, and send, send the green street will be i, I assure you everything will be uh, all right i end. think the amusement to me uh, the line which apparently was the line that they couldn't figure out how to solve this sort of issue at the end which is of course round up the usual suspects uh which is a great yeah. line and i think the fact is because it has become such a part of the vernacular you know the usual suspects not just from the movie but like it's a thing that everybody says it's it's the thing it's when you stop and actually dissect that line the idea like oh you know the usual suspects the people we haul in anytime there's a crime they hauled in the usual suspects at the beginning of the the very beginning when they knew ugarte had done it yes but i (laughs) love i love the fact where he's just like you know oh how do we get out of this oh yep let's just round up the all the people doesn't matter if any of them were anywhere near the airport and the fact this guy's standing here with a gun that is literally smoking (laughs) (laughs) so so just in a in a in a story that illustrates how um great things could have gone horribly wrong um there's apparently one of the original cuts of that scene um and and the 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 cut that made it is major strass has been shot Cut to Rick, cut to Louie, cut to Rick, cut back to Louie, round up the usual suspects. Originally, the, the, the cut was, Major Strauss has been shot, round up the usual suspects. And so there's no tension or 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 uh, shared looks or how the right. hell are we going to get out of this? And it, it just it just goes to show these little decisions when you're uh, creating the story can um, uh, totally impact its uh, it, its effect and its uh, its it value. Pace, pacing. Is it, it's one well, of the reasons that that not just that line works so well in the movie, but I, like, Casablanca and Hamlet have something very particular in common in that they both have loads of things from throughout the 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 dialogue of the of the uh of of the drama itself that that have been used as the titles of complete works um because they are so iconic and because they land so powerfully and with hamlet it's because it became such a such a pinnacle of of uh, of of dramatic literature in and of itself and with casablanca it really i'm I'm totally with you it really comes down to the editing and the way that these things are edited and the way that 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 it's not just the dialogue the dialogue doesn't really sing without without the the visual panache that they put into this thing and of course the the last bits of dialogue um that are famous were um overdubs 
added yeah. later months so, later yeah so even that even that is an example of uh, well, them even, tweaking okay. the pacing and dialogue of the movie to get it, the right kind of ending rick rick giving the nod for the marseille the band to play the marseillaise was was an insert shot he had no idea what he was nodding about they just called him <laughs> this is this is this is one of my favorite bits of trivia of the movie is bogart just knew that he had to show up give a nod and then he was done for the day and they just needed the shot and Max Steiner, uh, the composer for a lot of the movie, didn't want to use as time goes by because either one story is he didn't like the song. The other story is he wanted to write his own song to to get Oscar consideration and royalties. Um, and they were and they they said, sorry, um, uh, uh, Ingrid Bergman's off uh, filming uh, for whom the bell tolls and she had to cut her hair. She had to cut her so, hair. Yeah. So she can't come back for reshoots of those scenes. There is a fine book called Round Up the Usual Suspects by Algene Harmetz that's all about the making of this movie, and it is hmm. fascinating. So it, I don't know why you'd get to this point in the podcast without having seen Casablanca either recently or ever, but let me tell you, you should watch it because it holds up. It it, it deserves – I think what Roger Ebert said is that um, that that people – many people will say they feel like Citizen Kane is the, is the greatest movie ever made. Or but, Vertigo is the current uh, flavor right, of the, but, the month okay. in that poll. But – Casablanca Come is on, yeah. everybody's favorite movie. It's yeah. like it is a a it is such a an entertaining, delightful, fun, romantic, dramatic. Like it's got all the things in it. And I do think, as we have said, I think it plays really well because of the it, the the ironic detachment it has at several points. I think it, it plays really well seventy five years later to a modern audience. It, it, it's fun. It's a good movie. It's fine if you want a duck cone feet like. Citizen Kane, but let's be honest, you really want a real nice beef stew that's just got a bunch of good stuff in it. You know, I, I think this movie often gets brushed off as being just like, oh, it's just a romance, right? Whereas, like, I think of that in the same <laughs> idea of, like, I just picture Fred Savage being, is this a kissing movie? Uh, <laughs> and and you know it is so much more than that. The The romance parts are great, and it's a romance in the sense that it's, you know, romantic in the old sense of the word right like there are these big great big ideals and it doesn't necessarily end with a happy ending or a satisfying love movie ending uh but it it has those great big ideals and great big you know like sacrifices and all that uh and and i think in some ways the romance is my least favorite part of it i love everything in this movie though so it's it really does hold up good movie people should see it and we've done a whole episode. We didn't need that. Let's okay. Let's move on to our second movie. No. <laughs> well, Jason, all through the night begins with <laughs> when, yeah. When 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 people kept trying to suggest other movies, I'm like, no. I think we'll, I think we will have more than enough to talk about. And we we'll go. Enough. Oh, I guess this is a two parter now. Any final thoughts before we wrap up Casablanca? I have two final thoughts. Mm-hmm. One, Dooley Wilson cannot. Mime playing a piano. Yeah, to save I was his watching life. his hands this time. He was, was a drummer. <laughs> yes, and it shows he drums the piano. He, he does not. His right hand is so wrong in this movie. I mean, you you are hearing trills and things, and he's just he's, clump, he's playing clump, like two clump, left clump. hands. Yep. And the and the funny thing is, he got gigs out of this movie where oh, we're gonna book Dooley Wilson, the piano player from Casablanca, <laughs> and he'd show up and he'd be all yeah, who's playing the piano? Because I can't do me. it. You, you know who looks like a more realistic piano player? Rolf from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Burn. And the second thing is, we have during the second oh, I don't know, the last twenty minutes, maybe the last half hour, we have this 
you want to talk about plot holes. We have two guys who are trying to outdo themselves about giving up Ingrid Bergman for each other. (laughs) 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 That is just not believable. Cigarette smoking is gross, and I'm glad that it has largely managed to vanish from the culture. I like being able to go to a restaurant or onto an airplane. However, it is a shame that we don't get it in movies in contexts like Peter Lorre smoking cigarettes straight down, drooping out of his mouth, because only a real scumbag would have his cigarettes drooping exactly that way and using his cigarettes to light more cigarettes yeah there's a whole semiotics of cigarette smoking that you get in 40s movies that just aren't there anymore punctuation the you know taking a drag on a cigarette is sort of a like a pause lots of theatrical business i mean yeah Yeah, in in listening to ebert's commentary track which is on the dvd and the blu-ray uh and is a great commentary track by the way um he talks about that one of the best ever yeah it's amazing, but he he uh, talks about how like it was very valuable because it gave the actors something to do. It could it could it it got to influence their body language and all of that. And, and I agree, there is something about the black and white cinematography too that it, I, I feel it makes it a little uh, more uh, acceptable for me. I think it, I think it looks better in the black and white photography. I see smoking in eighties movies and I'm much less impressed with it and it feels more anachronistic. Whereas in a forties movie, it is, you know, I, I, it is hard not to watch Casablanca and think Humphrey Bogart died of lung cancer. It is actually hard for me to do that, but I, I see the advantages of the way it looks and the way that they move and the fact that they use it to show character throughout and and keep them from just sort of like being statues on this on on a stage hey hey if you don't like watching if you don't like thinking about humphrey bogart dying of lung cancer do not see the harder they fall because that is his last movie and boy you you are looking at that going he is gonna die by the Mm. third reel and it will have nothing to do with the plot They'll just have to. Where is Humphrey Bogart? <laughs> let's talk to Let's go talk to Rod Steiger for a bit. I, I have I have two uh, closing thoughts. Okay, Michael Curtiz, the director, um, is not you know mentioned very much in the in the um, uh, when you start talking great directors because he was kind of the, of the era of workman like directors. You moved from one project to the next, and you go through his the films that he made, and he's making pirate movies with Errol Flynn, and he's making Robin Hood. He made an Elvis movie for for heaven's sake, uh, uh, and you know it, it's one of the watchable Elvis movies actually. And he was a he was a very good uh, workman like director with a visual sense, uh, maybe not uh, of the level of a Howard Hawks or a, a John Ford or whomever, but um, he, he made some movies and it's worth checking out his his back catalog and the except for Yankee Doodle Dandy, which he also directed, which I do not like. Um, and the other thing is uh, I watched my, my daughter likes this movie. Uh, she's seven. And um, the moment that I like watching with her is when the plane engines start and uh, Ilsa and Lasla just sort of stand there and look at the plane, and she's all, "Go! You're gonna miss your plane!" Oh my god! The, no, to a seven-year-old, the real thrill of Casablanca is not everything that has been preceded. But will these two dopes spend too much time saying goodbye to Rick and totally miss their plane? And I, I hope thought, to God yeah. these stupid idiots save the world. And that, and that's you know, M Night, Shala- <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's Casablanca with the twist ending where they they miss their flight. And are they stuck were on the plane. The whole time. Yeah. No. 
All right. Well, I would like to thank my panelists for being on and talking about this uh, movie. It was a lot of fun. Dr. Drang, thank you. Thank you. Dan Morin, thank you. Rick and Louie will return in To Casablanca, Too Furious. Mm-hmm. Monty Ashley, thank you very much. As I suspected, Jason, you're a rank sentimentalist. Moises Chuyan, thank you very much. Jason, Jason, you've got to help me, Jason. Save me, Jason. Moises, I stick out my neck for nobody. Phil Michaels, we'll always have Paris. Yes, and I have enjoyed discussing both this movie and uh, <laughs> all through the night, as I pretended that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a weird one. What was, yeah. that, what was that all about? Boy, well... <laughs> That's a tale for another time. Another time. Yes, indeed. And thank you to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.